0: I'm Bishop Sherman Young. Each week, the Word Break podcast answers questions about God, faith, and other spiritual issues. Here is this week's message Hebrews chapter 5, verse 11 and following. I read this with you on last Sunday and got one third of the way into the message. So, today I need to finish it with the remaining two thirds. Hebrews 5, and I'm talking with you about walk it out, training yourself to live a winner's life, training yourself in training for victory, in training for winning. Here's what the writer says beginning at verse 11. We have much more, or we have much to say about this, but it is hard to make it clear to you because you no longer try to understand. In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. Here is the verse for us. But solid food is for the mature who by constant use, hear that again, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. This whole matter of training one's self as a part of spiritual growth Spiritual maturity. So there were three questions on the table last Sunday. What is spiritual growth? How does it happen? And should we seek to grow or like natural growth, does spiritual growth happen on its own? The scriptures speak of two particular types of cuisine or two particular meals, milk or meat, milk belonging to those who are infant in their faith, meat belonging to those who are spiritually mature, has nothing to do with how long you've been saved, but how well you have practiced your faith and the disciplines thereof. And I said to you last Sunday that the Holy Spirit gives us the life that Jesus won for us on the cross. He won a new life. The Holy Spirit's ministry is to work with me in developing that new life until I look like Jesus. I am not supposed to look like the Bible, nor am I supposed to look like other saints in the church, but I am supposed to look like Jesus I'm supposed to grow and grow and grow and grow until I look so much like Jesus that you can recognize the Jesus in me without me telling you that Jesus is in me. I hear people bragging about how holy they are, how good they are, how good-hearted they are how nice they are. The truth is, all of that is supposed to come out in the way you handle situations. If you have to tell me that you're good, there's something wrong with your goodness. That's nothing to brag about. It's something to live out. And all human nature must be trained. We talked about this last Sunday. I must train my thoughts and my actions. Would you repeat that after me? I must, yes, train my thoughts. Let's try it with our outside voices, please. I must train my thoughts and my actions. People say, well, pastor, you cannot control what you think about, and you are right. You cannot control what you think about, but you can control what you think on. Thoughts will come to your mind based on a conversation you're having, based on something you see on television, a billboard you see while passing by on the highway. You will get thoughts, but you decide whether you will dwell on those thoughts. If someone has mistreated you, it is natural, it is human to think with anger towards that person, even to think revenge against that person. But you decide whether you will let that thought stay on your mind and grow into something more serious. So just because I think about it doesn't mean I have to think on it. I have to train myself what I need to think about that will improve my health or what I don't need to think about that has the potential of destroying my health. And so that's important. And that's why verse 14 said, who by constant use have trained themselves to discern between good and evil. Training means that whatever we're in training for, it does not come naturally. You cannot become a champion swimmer by just dreaming about it. You can't become an expert in your job. Just dreaming about it. When they hired you. They put you in a training program. So that they could train you. And ever so often. They put you in retraining. Or reorientation. Because the methods. Or the technology that you used. When you first started. Is now become obsolete. And outdated. So you have to refresh Your education in whatever field that you're working in. The same is true with my spiritual life. My spiritual life gets stagnant. It gets stale. There are times as a Christian I get bored with the old routine. There are times that the areas where I was most ineffective, I find myself most effective, I find myself now more ineffective So I have to be retrained. I have to be refreshed. Christianity, our spiritual side, is perhaps the only side that you'll see in the world where not only do people fail to train, but they will use it in whatever way they see fit, gain no victory whatsoever, and then go back and try it all over the same way again. Athletes must be trained, musicians must be trained, performers must be trained, truck drivers that handle 18 wheelers must be trained. You can ride a bicycle, but you can't drive a truck. You can drive a car, but that doesn't mean you can drive a truck. You can drive your own car well unless I put a trailer hitch on the back of it. And even you will find out you don't know how to drive your own car without causing an accident with that trailer swinging back and forth. Everybody please say, I must be trained. Yes, and we have to train our faith. If we don't, our faith will grow wild, and it will not be of any use to us. I have to train my faith. I have to train myself, watch this, to respond in faith when certain things go bad in my life. What do you usually do immediately when things go bad? Tell the truth. You cuss. I don't have a witness right there. Because in church you don't want to admit that the first thing out of your mouth is seldom a prayer. When things go wrong, even words that you thought you had forgotten find their way out of your mouth. Do I have a witness in Besmer? Even some of the most Christian folk on a knee-jerk reaction to something bad will say a bad word. I'm not talking to you. I'm talking about your neighbor. Your neighbor has a foul mouth. Why do you respond like that? And many of you have tried to control that impulse and still failed. Especially after you just left church service and you've been singing the praises of God and waving your arms, feeling the Holy Ghost and on the way home Some joker cuts in front of you with his automobile and almost causes an accident. I wish I had a witness. Or you drop something on your foot in the kitchen. And your first response is not usually, Our father, which art in heaven. Hallowed be your name. So why do you react like that? because the root is in you, and wherever there's a root, there's going to be fruit. The reason why you respond that you say, well, Bishop, I've tried to control that. Why can't I ever control it? Because you're dealing with the fruit rather than the root. You're trying to control what happens rather than why it happens, and therefore, If you're ever going to get victory over that, I wish I could help somebody. If you're ever going to get victory over how you respond, let me tell you this. The way that you know how well you've grown is by your first response, not by your second. Your second response is after you thought about it for a second. And you say, oh, I shouldn't have said that. Let me say this. I wish I had some help. If somebody comes up to you and they repeat some gossip they heard about you to you and tell you that they got it from a friend or a person you said was your friend. What is your initial response? You will more than likely call that false friend a bad name. Now your second response is going to be, I'm going to pray for them, but that wasn't your first response. Your first response is, I don't believe that my wife said that about me. I don't believe. We, we went to school together. We, we're too close for that. Not to mention all the times I bailed her out of foolishness. And we're supposed to be friends. I don't believe my boyfriend said that about me. I don't believe that. And so your first response is I got to get them back. So I take out my phone, I open up my Facebook. And I determine what will hurt the worst. I don't have a witness around here, but I think I'll preach this anyhow. Because after all, Facebook and social media has become the way to pay everybody back. That I don't like. And so you will notice on my Facebook page, I just left church that morning and I wrote, Hallelujah, what a good time we had. But by six o'clock, I'm using some four letter words to talk about somebody who just hurt me. I will get a shout before I'm done today. Why do I do that, Bishop? Because the root, everybody say the root. You see, inside of me is no good thing other than the Holy Ghost. And everything else inside of me needs work. And I have to train myself how to respond to bad news and bad events. I have to train my faith. I have to train my prayer life. My prayer life should be trained. What what is my pattern for prayer? What do I do when I get up in the morning? Do, do I get a prayer in? Do I get a meditation in, or scripture? Do I get on the prayer call and pray with the church and, and other believers? What is, my, what is my training for prayer? You say, well, I don't really have a training for prayer. I just kind of do it when there's a, an emergency. But you see, that's why your prayers don't work well. Because God is no fool. He knows you're just using him because you're in a tight jam. God is not interested in rescuing me when I fall. He's interested in being with me in good times and bad times. So that when I get into a bad time, I don't have to worry about where he is. He's in the same place he was at before my times got bad. I have to train my prayer life. I have to train my giving life. I have to train my budget to honor the Lord. I have to always have in mind the fact that God comes first, not the car, not the house, not the visa card, not the tuition, not the reimbursements, not not money that I borrowed, not the loan I've got to pay, not my student loans, but God first. But I have to train myself in that. And when I'm trained in that, I don't even have to have warfare over that. That's a done deal. I know what I'm going to do. So last Sunday, I talked to you about worship. Train your heart to worship. Worship is a celebration of my salvation. Worship is a celebration of my secure sonship, which means that once I get saved, I'm locked in salvation forever. Somebody say forever. That's why I like that little part of that song because it reminds me that when God saves you, that's done forever. That's, that cannot be canceled. Once I'm saved, I'm saved forever. God won't cancel it. I can't cancel it. And the devil can't cancel it. But then thirdly, my worship is a celebration. Please say this behind me. Of the surety of victories past and victories pending. Man, when I worship, I'm celebrating the victory God has already done. But I've got some other stuff pending that I haven't come through yet. But the same God that brought me through that is getting ready to bring me through this. So worship is not only the dessert at the end of that meal, but it's the appetizer of the beginning of the next meal. I don't have any help. My praise and worship in church is not just me thanking God for what He has done, but I see some other stuff I'm going through now. So my worship is a down payment on what He's getting ready to do with that. So, two things today, and let's go home. Train your will to serve God, find Psalm 100. Psalm 100. Psalm 100, the 100th Psalm is one of the most beloved that we have in the book of Psalms. It'll take me four minutes to work through this point and three to work through the next. Think, here's what it says, train your will to serve God. Psalm 100, what does it say? Verse one, make a joyful noise unto the Lord. Wait, that is my worship. That I'm training myself to make a joyful noise to the Lord. So my worship should be loud, would you say loud? It should be lively, would you say lively? And it should be legitimate, would you say legitimate? My joyful noise, how can you make a noise and it ain't loud? Some people say, well, I like a quiet church. Well, I like a church that don't mind getting loud. I'll tell you about me. You know, if I go to a ball game, I don't want everybody to sit there quietly. Is something wrong on the basketball court if you're playing at home and your own folk ain't cheering for you. Let me try that again. It's almost football season. High school footballers will take the football field. Every time they play at home, do you think you're going to sit there in the stands and just observe quietly? Even if they're losing, you're going to holler something. And I am Jesus' biggest fan. Of course, I could use a little competition right through here. Let me, th- I am the Lord's biggest fan. When you call his name, you get some noise out of me. Oh, I don't have a witness here. You don't have to beg me for an amen. You don't have to instruct me on how to say hallelujah. Whether you say hallelujah or hallelujah or hallelujah. That's the way holy folks say hallelujah. I know how to say hallelujah. You don't have to instruct me on how to sing because that's my response. I have trained myself to say amen when I hear the truth. come on, come on in the house now I've trained myself to leap when the music starts playing I don't even think about whether my feet can take it or not I don't even think about whether I look funny doing it or not God has been so good to me I'm his biggest fan do I have any Jesus fans In the house. Listen, if you can holler when your nephew runs a touchdown, surely you can holler for the one that woke you up and gave you health and strength to stand on your own two feet and gave you the ability to go out and start your day. Surely you can make a noise for that one. If you can holler for the boy on the high school team, you don't
1: even know his name but he's playing football for your alma mater and he just made his second touchdown of the night and you holler for him and then ask somebody, who is that? Who boy
0: is that? Who? Who you say? Who boy that is? If you can holler for that, can't you holler for the one who heals you? Who delivers you? But check this out, y'all. Verse 2 says, what? Serve the Lord with gladness. See, you have to move from the worship of God to the service of God or the worship that you've offered is not any good. It ain't how high you jump when you shout. It's how straight you walk when you come back down. Oh, I know a whole lot of folk make noise in church but their noise is not backed up by their service to God. See, I, not, not only do I worship but I owe him my service because he saved my life. He thought I was worth it. Now I've got to show him that I'm worth it. Oh, I don't have a witness up in here. He thought I was worth keeping. So he cleaned me up. Why? So I could sit around on the shelf and look good? No. So I can go and get some more of my dirty friends. Let them see what God did for me. And then bring them in to the Lord. I wish I had a witness. I know you got some dirty friends. They're back in that hole that God dug you out of. When you were staying up all night, drunk, high, I don't have a witness. When you hadn't changed your clothes in two or three days, I wish I had some help. When you were changing your clothes and forget to change your underwear. I'm not preaching to the right group. I thought I had some people here that the Lord had saved. He don't save clean folk. If you said the Lord saved you, that means you were in some condition that required salvation so I have to serve the Lord say serve the Lord and my spiritual gifts need to be trained do you know that every believer in this room has a gift from the Holy Spirit to serve God that gift may be greeting, it may be singing uh, or it may be the nine gifts that are listed in First Corinthians 12 the word of wisdom, word of knowledge faith, healing, miracles discerning of spirits, tongues, interpretation of tongues. It may be in Romans 12, teaching, uh, uh, encouragement, exhortation, leadership, generosity. Every one of us has a gift and every one of us has a talent. It needs to be trained. And you know what God is going to do? Please say this. God will anoint my gift. Have you ever seen people sing? and they sang good but you couldn't feel nothing you know why God has to anoint but baby anointing is like seasoning on food it makes it taste better but the food still has to be cleaned and prepared or the seasoning won't help it oh I don't have a witness here That chicken you're going to eat after church. What if you don't wash it first? What if you go to the restaurant and they serve it to you the same way they got it as soon as they took the feathers off of it? They didn't even gut it out, take the guts out. They just put a whole chicken on the grill and cooked it, guts and all. And then you put salt and pepper on it. Ketchup and mustard. What's that going to do for it? Somebody say, I need to be clean, and I need to be prepared. And then when the anointing is put on me, I will be delightful. Oh, God. Listen, it's not about who you are. It's about God using you, and that's the anointing. Here's the last thing, and let's go home. Not only do I have to train my will to serve God, which means I've got to want to serve him, but here's the last thing. I need to train my mind to think like a winner. I've got a new mind from God when I was born again, but if I don't train it, it will run wild. There are some things I don't need to think about because they are destructive to my future. Can I get a witness? What does the Bible say? Whatsoever things are good. Whatsoever things are lovely. Whatsoever things are honest. Whatsoever things are of a good reputation. Whatever has virtue or praise. Think on these things. Is that what we think about? Or do we think about other stuff? (laughs) You want me to call the roll, don't you? I can look in your eyes and tell. What, what do you think about? Do you think like a winner? When I was growing up, heavyweight fighting was amazing. It was something, brothers, you remember, it, it, it was inspiring. Joe Frazier, Ali, Philip, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, Ken Norton, Tyson. Man, you put Tyson in a ring, In 30 seconds, the fight is over. It was inspiring. But you know what used to really get my attention? The fighters always claim to win before they ever had the first bell. You don't get in a ring talking about if I beat you. You get in the ring declaring I beat you. Not I can beat you. I've already beat you. Baby, when you get in a fight, when the devil calls you into the arena, you can't be tiptoeing around talking about, "Um, I I need the Lord to have mercy. I just need your prayers, reverend. You have to know before the fight ever starts, you've already won. I'm through. I'm ready to go home. Here's what the Bible says in Ephesians. I gave you the verses there. It says, so let, verse 17, He says, so I tell you and encourage you in the Lord's name not to live any longer like other people in the world. Their minds are set on worthless things. Now, baby, you're not going to like me telling this to you, but I just might as well meddle in your business. A little too much of the real housewives will have you thinking the wrong thing. Come on now, I know you. A little too much of love and hip hop is going to have you thinking the wrong way. I wish I had a witness now. A, A little too much of what we see on television or the music we listen to can cause violence to rise up inside of us. Oh, you know why some folk have such a fighting spirit? Everything they listen to and look at promotes fighting. Well, if that's the case, then maybe I need to change what I listen to and what I look at. And if I look at stuff that encourages victory, it's going to make me feel more victorious. The best movies for me are movies about people with courage. I've never told that before. When I watch a movie, even like Gladiator, and look at his courage, that did something for me. When I when I look at movies like The Cinderella Man, look at his courage. That that did something for me. It it makes me feel like there's this movie called The Edge. You've ever seen it with Anthony Hopkins and and uh, what's the other Sheen? What in the Sheen? Yeah, and they and they kill a bear. You know, it's got two black men. Two, two white men and one black guy, and they're out there, Robert, and they're running from this bear. And, of course, the black guy gets killed because we always get killed in the movies. The bear ate him. And so finally they said, you know, we got to stop running from the bear. I'm through now. So what are we going to do? We got to kill it. Kill it. And you know, Anthony Hopkins, he got a stick turning into a spear. Nobody saw the movie but me, but that's all right. And then then he propped it up on a rock and then that bear came along growling and Anthony Hopkins used himself as bait. Come on! Come on! The bear's growling. Come on! Come on! Come on! And the bear went to grab him and he barely got out of the way and the spear went through the bear propped on the ground. Do you know ever since I saw that movie I Want to Kill a Bear? Oh, I do. I have been looking for a bear for 15 years ever since that movie came out. Sometimes I'm watching the news and they said there was a bear scene up in Marietta and I want to get in my car and go find that bear. So the animal control came out and got the bear. And I'm saying to myself, why did you take him? Because in the movie it said, what one man can do, another one can do it. Oh, I don't have a witness. Come on, let me let you go home. Listen, the movie told me
1: something that I didn't realize. That if you did it, I can do it. If you got healed, I can get healed. If you got a good job, I can get a good job. If you became a millionaire, I can become a millionaire. What one man can do, another man can't. It is no secret what God can do. What he's done for others, he'll do for you. With our arms wide open, he'll pardon you. Baby, ain't no need of you looking at me being jealous. If God did it for me, he'll do it for you. Envying what you got. I just thank God I got the same thing you got. It's called an equal opportunity. And if God blessed you, I know he'll bless me. That's why I shout with you when you testify. When you say you got a new car, I say hallelujah. I say hallelujah for two reasons, Mr. Harris.
0: One is you got to pay the note and I don't.
1: But the second is, I realize God is now in the season of blessing people with cars. And I'm standing in line to get mine. Because whatever God does for you, He'll do it for me. I'm not a loser. I'm a winner. I'm not defeated. I'm a winner. I'm not a victim. I'm a victor. For the Bible says. That all things work together for the good of those who love the Lord. And what he's done for you, he'll do the same for me. You know what the Bible said? Wait on the Lord and be of good courage. And he said, strengthen thine heart. The Bible said, for they... Upon the Lord shall renew their strength; they shall mount up on the wings as goes They shall run and not be weary. But then they shall walk. Now, not not no plain walk. You got to walk with to walk cool. You got to walk like you know what you're about. You got to walk with some authority. You got to walk with some power. You got to walk and not faint. Won't he bless you? I said, won't he bless you? Is there anybody here that knows he'll bless you? Is there And grown when my way gets hard. I'm gonna remember the word. The word said, if we acknowledge him, he shall direct your path, the steps of a good man. Yes, can anybody say us? Won't he take care of you? Won't you? Won't he deliver you? Won't he hold you up? Say ah! I'm true. I'm true. I'm true. I'm true. I'm, through. I'm through. But Mr. Johnson there's a whole song they used to sing. Said when you walk through a storm, hold your head up high and don't be afraid of the dark because at the end of the storm is a golden sky and the sweet song of the lark. Walk on, walk on with hope in your heart, though your dreams be tossed and blown. Walk on because he's able. I said he's able. I said he's able. He's able. Does anybody know he's able? Does anybody know he's able?
0: Come to Jesus. Can you just rest on your feet?